Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. I'm your host, David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and each week I watch an episode of the 1980s sitcom The Facts of Life. Since I'm an actor, acting, like many other things in life, is more fun when you do it with a friend. So I always like to invite over another actor or artist friend from the Central Florida area to join me. Then we hit record, synopsize the show, talk about a lot of other stuff in the process, and hopefully have some fun along the way. Thank you for letting me into your ear holes. My guest this week is Dr. Steve Summers. Dr. Steve and I have been friends for a long, long time. Like, we're talking decades here. He's actually one of my oldest friends here in Orlando. He actually used to live with me, and uh, he does a lot of artistic stuff in town, in addition to primarily being an educator. He's, uh, he texted me out of the blue saying that he wanted to be on the show, and I was like, of course, come do it. Awesome. Was more than happy to oblige. Uh, so Dr. Steve and I watched season two, episode six, entitled Shoplifting, which had an original air date of December 31st, 1980. I need to start the show with a correction, with, with an apology, typical me. Um, I'm sorry. In the show you're about to hear, I say that this is the first episode of 1981. That, of course, is not right. I just said December 31st, 1980. I was off by a day. First shows of 1981 are next week. So just had to make that little correction. And uh, there are a couple more oopses in the show that I'll correct in the outro. Not going to belabor the point. Let's just jump on in. This is me with Dr. Steve Summers. And here we are with Dr. Steve Summers. Why, hello, David Almeida. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> <laughs> we go back so far. We are, we're we sitting in my office, but there was a time this was our office. Yes, it was. How long did you live here? Was that three uh, years? I lived here for three years, yes. Yeah. That's... yeah so we have known each other for over 20 years. Wow. We met when we were... We met in daycare. We met, we when, met when we were in daycare. I, I looked from my, my perambulator over to you and said... <laughs> I like that guy. We were we just toddlers, friends. yes. Back when we first met. Yeah. I want to say the first time I met you. Do you remember when I first met you? I want to say you were dating my roommate, Dwayne, at the time. Right. I came to the house to see Dwayne. Okay. And you were in partial drag. Was. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I believe that's possible. <laughs> I don't know that I don't know if I've ever anyone's ever spotted me on drag before, but perhaps what was I? <laughs> I think you were just trying things for Rhonda. Oh, I had never really done drag before. Yeah, and that's right. I was creating this character called Rhonda, Rhonda Talonsky. and uh, that. Oh, so I was in drag. You that were was when in. I met you, you were in partial dress drag, just trying some things on. When I came to the door, and, so you I open, said, and you answered the door. Did I? <laughs> that I imagine I, like, I did. Where am I? <laughs> I'm like, hi, nice to hi. meet you. Does I play this, a dress up. <laughs> does this thong make my ass look fat? You know. <laughs> we just watched 
Season 2, Episode 6, Shoplifting. Ooh. Another in a series of, they all are feeling like very special episodes now. Yes, they, they are. They are hitting us hard with the yeah. issues, with the, I guess, lessons is a good word. Mm -hmm. They're hitting us really with them, and here is another one. And I will go on record saying, I think another slam dunk. I think it's really good. Mm -hmm. they've, they've all been good so far this second season. Yeah, so wonderful. Um... Before we start, I always ask my guest, you and I are the same age, so I know that you grew up with this show as I did. That's true, yes. And uh, so you did watch it in the first run? I watched it um, some in the first run. I saw uh, many of them in reruns, and I, I was kind of looking back to see when they were airing these episodes. Because yeah, this is 19, we're in the very first 1981 episodes mm -hmm. now. Yeah, and so... So this one was 81. This was like January. January 81, 81 yeah. right. So, you know, I'm thinking that I was, what, 12 years old at that mm -hmm. point. So, you know, I, I there were shows I was starting to be faithful watching at that point, and this was starting to be one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something that struck me when we were watching this that I have not yet discussed on the show, this is just kind of general information, is that the creators of this show from day one were Dick Clare and Jenna McMahon. And I saw their credit at the end of the show, and I thought, I've never talked about them. Hmm. Um, it's They created different strokes, and so when it came to do a spinoff, they were the people, they just used them. As we're recording this, we just got word yesterday of the death of Catherine Helmond, who right. was best loved to, probably most people know her as Mona from Who's the Boss. Right. But you and I would predate that with saying, no, she was Jessica Tate on, on Soap. soap. <laughs> And yes. soap was so huge yeah. and and simultaneously going on with Facts of Life right now. Yeah. And um, see, that was a show that I would not have been allowed to watch, though. Oh, really? Yes. There were shows that I was not really allowed to watch. I we had no there was no allowance, no allowance. Uh -huh. It was just soap was on later. It was yeah. like 930 yeah. or even 10 o'clock. Yeah. So it was just one of those. It was after bedtime. Yeah. My mother. I feel so connected to my mom. <laughs> My mom, she's been gone now, what, it'll be 15 years this summer. Wow. But uh, yes. she, it, she, there were a few shows that she la belly laughed out loud to, and Soap was one of them. And the other added thing is that my mother resembled Catherine Damon, the one that was Mary, the blonde sister. Right. If you just give her dark brown hair, that's my mom. That's what my mom looked like. Mm -hmm. And... We so there's like a double thing going on there where she loved the show and people at the time she worked with were like, oh, you look like you look like that actress, yeah, yeah. Catherine Damon. Yeah, that um, was one and Three's Company. Oh God! Oh really? You couldn't watch Three's <laughs> I was Company? Not allowed to watch Three's Company. Yeah, my parents were so. That's you were raised in the Midwest. Uh -huh. You're from Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. yeah, in the Midwest, parents cared about their children and, <laughs> and raised their families. Oh well. Yeah, and you see, you turned out to be a, a scholar, an educator, and a doctor, <laughs> and I am an actor. Telling. But look at all the things you know about. It's a, it's amazing. To yeah, me. The, the <laughs> you remember all knowledge. this stuff. Yeah, the useless so knowledge great. I have, and you know, you know, you know about chemistry and science <laughs> and the coefficient of sliding of friction. Of course and, you do. Yeah, yeah. But yes, as one does. But uh, back to Dick Clare and Jenna McMahon. I mm. just wanted to quickly bring up the fact that uh, if those names are not familiar, you will often hear Carol Burnett call them out because they were the writers on the Carol Burnett show 
who invented the family sketches. Oh, and oh, wow. people don't realize in hindsight what the family sketches were very revolutionary yeah. for their time. Number yeah. one, the language. They would say hell and damn. Yeah. But Carol Burnett was on at 10. She was on like from 10 to 11. She yes. was already in a technically adult slot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't watch Carol Burnett till reruns. That wasn't a primetime thing for me. Interestingly enough, that was the one show my parents would let me stay up for. What? <laughs> on Saturday night. Wow. 10 o'clock. They would let me stay up for Carol Burnett. So they what would happen? Her. What would happen when, you know, Eunice would say, you can keep your damn fly swatter. They Who just, the hell? Yes. They kind of just grit their teeth because they loved Carol Burnett. Oh. They loved her, the nice. show, everything. So they just let me. And they and I used to laugh and laugh and laugh. Oh. Just belly laughs with that show. God, yeah. I, I don't really have strong memories of it in its full mm-hmm. state, like of with the musical guests and all of that. It's really in the reruns where I... Uh, hooked into the Cal Burnett show. Yeah. But Dick Clare and Jenna McMahon, the thing with the family sketches is everything with Cal Burnett was all, you know, it was fright wigs and catchphrases and pratfalls and stunts and, you know, just sort of wackety schmackety old style vaudevillian comedy. And the family sketches were that thing that sort of took the Cal Burnett show and took it out of the old hat 1960s type of variety show and kind of modernized it and mm-hmm. said, let's do these sketches where there aren't necessarily jokes. They are just character-based laughs. And let's make it about this slightly uncomfortably dysfunctional family who don't get along and who yell at each other and mm-hmm. you know can't play a civil game of sorry at the <laughs> kitchen table without it being reduced wow. to... <laughs> Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. It oh was my a salad. It was a salad. <laughs> but oh that's God. what and the and the humor was in recognition. Everybody, I think, to some extent, saw their own family in that, yeah. and was like, "This is." And I remember as a kid, I didn't quite get it. Mm. I, I was kind of like, "This isn't as funny as Tim Conway falling off of a." Ledge. Yeah. yeah. But as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, I get it. That was for the grown-ups. Yeah. And that's what I think that's what makes Cow Burnett show. That's what has given it the longevity is because of that was the thing that made it a modern variety show and set it apart from the others. Because everything was dying out right around the time hers was. She had survived yeah. the big rush, the the, the rise and the decline. Fine. Of the variety show thing. She yeah. was there for the whole thing. Yeah. And was still going strong at the end. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was that was so different. But that that's the thing that survived beyond the end of the show. Yeah. Mama's and then, family. Yeah. With changes. Mama's, with changes, of course. But Mama's that, family became but the, a little sort of yeah. More innocuous. It did. It did. But, but when you you know, when people talk about my my back to my mother, my mother said that was her favorite part of Cal Burnett. My mother loved that part. And she said the thing she loved the most was how every sketch started with the Oh, well, it's been a great day. We've gone to church. Let's all sit down and have some cream of wheat. Now, the fact that every sketch begins with like nothing happened. Like we didn't just have them, you know, we didn't have Eunice badly rehearsing a community theater play with her mother telling her she's a talentless clod. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You know, and you're like that my... Anyhow, this is the thing with nostalgia in TV. It doesn't just connect us to a time 
and ourselves. It connects us to our loved ones too. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is that's why I I dismiss this show, this podcast, diving into this show as being kind of a silly little side thing. But I think it's more important psychologically than a lot of us give it's credit for. It's great going back and revisiting this stuff. It really is. Yeah. If they would just turn off the fire hose of <laughs> new content so we could have yeah. time to yeah. remember and reflect. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Dick Clare and Jenna McMahon, they invented the family sketches on Cal Burnett, And then later you do see them on Soap. Back mm. to they were, that was a good fit for them as far as being, you know, humor, character-based, dysfunctional. That was great. And then different strokes connecting with Norman Lear and that leads us to facts of life and that brings us to present day and now this wonderful episode mm -hmm. called shoplifting so the episode begins in the kitchen with the girls working you know I will never stop praising and singing hallelujah when we are seeing the girls actively doing the work that is the premise of the show now mm -hmm. so that we and I'm sure the directors liked it, too. It was like, oh, good, we have busy work, as opposed yes. to them sitting around, okay, you're going to be knitting, you're going to be reading. And right. They, they, they can active. always be chopping something. Yeah. Or <laughs> They can or, be organizing or cleaning something. Or cleaning an oven, which is yes, what Blair is doing what Blair's right doing, which is delightful that she's cleaning an oven. Mm -hmm. I just love that. <laughs> Joe and Natalie are doing something like the dishes, and there is immediately some sparring between Blair and Joe. Joe says... Uh, when I get married, I'm not going to do the dishes. And Blair says, you won't have to. You and your husband will both eat the chicken right out of the box. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's how it begins. It be we They hit and hit hard right off the bat. And as Joe and Blair fight, Blair says some type of a thing like, do you always have to sound like Sylvester Stallone? Because Joe threatens yes, like to punch right. her or something. right. And Joe says, well, better St Stallone than Miss Piggy. Than Miss Piggy. And it's like, ooh, burn. Ouch. And then Natalie comes in with this, oh, the show, this is topical humor. Topical, yes. You guys fight so well. You could be Middle Eastern countries. countries. Ha, 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 ha. That's yeah. funny because those people fight. Mm. Okay, we'll yeah. just laugh and move on. Yes. We're going to move on with that. Yes. Um, 2D comes downstairs. And we learn that Tootie has basically eavesdropped on Mrs. Garrett, overhearing her on the phone with one of her sons. I forget if we've talked about Mrs. Garrett's children before. I think we have. But this is another moment where Mrs. Garrett mentions two sons. She, she says one of her sons. One of so her sons. It is yeah. multiple. And we know there are multiples. I think there are two or possibly three. Mm-hmm. And we don't specify which. They don't have names yet. But this is further fleshing out the character of Mrs. Garrett. It is learned that Mrs. Garrett has a birthday the next day. So they're like, oh, that's terrific. Mrs. Garrett is getting older. Um, and they're like, oh, well, she probably doesn't want us to know because she's middle-aged. It's getting older. Must be she's an old person. You don't want to talk about your birthday then. Yeah, that's no. terrible. Mm -hmm. And um, Blair makes a lovely comment. They say, well, it's tough being middle-aged. And Blair says, I'm never going to be middle-aged. With these cheekbones, I'm going to be 25 forever. And you know what, Lisa Welchel? You fucking are. She is. <laughs> she. God damn, she looks good. She was prophetic right then in that moment. Holy shit. Yes. She looks terrific. Yeah, she does. And she's about to host uh, a new show on MeTV. It's about collectors. 
It's just people who collect a lot of shit. Mm. So nostalgia and she's yeah. hosting it. And, um, you know, Paul Padilla texted me because, you know, Paul was such a freak for the show. She posted that something was in the works on Twitter. And in the comments, you see Nancy McKeon go, really? What is it? And then you see Mindy Cohn go, oh, that's awesome with like a heart and a clap. Or, and it's like, they still comment on each other's Twitter. Wow. wow. It's, oh, yes. It is so fucking cool. So cool. I want to be their no, friend. I know. So <laughs> I want to know you. I want to be their best I friend. Know you. I'm so lonely. <laughs> Please. Um, Mrs. Garrett comes down the stairs now. We've got Charlotte Ray back in pants, and she looks fan-fucking-tastic herself. I wrote down, so slim. So slim. Exclamation point. When she walked down the steps, I just was like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) We talked about the pants she wore in the season premiere when the it is discussed she has lost weight. Yes. But it's like she is still... I mean, we're only six. This is only six, six weeks now after that. So she is still rocking her slimmer season two charlotte ray figure yes and mm-hmm. uh from from all the accounts of behind the scenes i think she doubled her smoking is what it is oh. <laughs> because charlotte ray was apparently a chain smoker oh, wow but she does look terrific and uh, you know skirts are good camouflage skirts can create a shape where there's not a shape pants are not very forgiving on women so if you are able to wear pants and look as good at charlotte ray who is 54 at this point. At that point. And mm-hmm. not much older than we are That's, now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for, <laughs> for putting it that way. But true. Oh, yes. This is, this is a crying week. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she looks fan-fucking-tastic. Really. And she comes in and says, uh, Hey, um, guess what? For dessert tomorrow, I'm making a cake. I'm making a birthday cake. And they're like, really? Whose birthday, birthday is it? Is it? And she's like, it's my birthday. I'm making a bit. She says, it's not on my diet. That doesn't mean I can't blow out the candles and make a wish. And it's like, oh, the girls are like, oh, so you're being upfront and forthcoming that you're having a birthday. Hmm. And she's like, well, of course. And she even says, um, uh, I may be over the hill, but with this weight I've lost, I feel terrific. And she says, I feel more alive than ever. And uh, and it's a lovely moment. It, it is a really very is. lovely moment. It's always interesting to me, though, that they they had no inkling of her birthday prior the, to this moment. Yeah. She was their den mother for a year before she, this. Right. So they've known her for, like, this is not the kind of plot that you could let sit much longer than this. No. Yeah. If, if it had I been mean? season five, and I wouldn't have put it past this show, <laughs> some of the shitty writing coming up yeah. in later seasons. Maybe yeah. not season five, but seven, eight, nine. By the end, yeah. Yeah. But so anyway, like, I did think to myself, you know, there this this is the plot. You just can't let this sit much longer. Yeah. Because they have to know when her birthday is. You're it's, you're totally yeah, right. You know. Absolutely. So she's not new here at no. this point. Not but, at all. Um But it so, is a lovely moment, yeah. It, it is. So she says, Well, I've got to and you remember you were invited. You, you came to me as a fan of the podcast. So you know this show. You I were know. invited to do your Mrs. Ray Mrs. Mrs. Garrett impression. Your bad Charlotte Ray, like we all do. But she says, I have to go over to the administration. Oh, heck, I'm going to jog. <laughs> and it's like, don't. You're going to sweat all over <laughs> those beautiful pants that look so good on you. Well, but And she does some calisthenics. Oh, bless. For just a second, right? Yeah, she like squats. She, like does, <laughs> she some does some little, squats. Some little ballet bar squat stretches. Yeah, yeah. Just, again, Charlotte Ray, let's let her do some physical yeah, comedy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, um... 
very quickly. The I girls wrote, are you like, have a lot of pep for an older person. Yeah, for an old broad. <laughs> for an old broad. Yeah. And and there are some fun jokes with, you know, yeah. oh, Mrs. Garrett, we didn't think you wanted to talk about your birthday since you're old. Oh, uh, I mean. Uh, over the hill. Over I the mean, hill. Uh, I mean, you know, nearly dead. <laughs> I mean, a fucking corpse. Oh, on a ba- banana peel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so there was there was humor in that. And it was it was good. It all landed. It was cute because the girls... They they do play that their heart is in the right place. They're not chiding her. It's just them yes. trying to be nice and and, and failing. And weirdly sympathize with you. Like, oh, you know, I know you might not want to talk about this at this yeah. point. But thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Everything totally rock solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the question, therefore, is now Mrs. Garrett's gone. What are we going to do for a gift for her? And Blair is like, oh, well, I can get her something fabulous. If you all want me to put your... Um, put your name on the tag and say it's from all of us that would be wonderful well joe is like no to the fuck no <laughs> i'm paraphrasing yes and you she's, got the gist of it though that... the gist of it since we had already been talking about the class distinction and blair talking down to joe it's perfectly believable that joe at this point is like i don't think so i can get my own present right and even Tootie and Natalie are like, you know what? We've got a little bit of money. We're good, too. Yeah. And then Joe says, hey, if we three pool our money, we could probably get something just as nice as Princess Grace over here before Blair exits, before the others start figuring out what their plan of action is. We have another topical of the time joke. Someone says, either Tootie or Natalie says, Blair, what would you do if you ever became poor and didn't have any money anymore? And Blair turns and just casually says, I would stop listening to E.F. Hutton to about a half laugh. Yeah. 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 And I wrote that down because I just needed to like recall. Like, Do you remember what it is? Uh, E.F. Hutton was. the. It was an investment, investment brokerage. For, right. And the the commercials used to be, I don't know if it was actually, if that was actually a person, but the idea was. It would be like a person at a party and they would start talking about investment ideas and things like that. Uh-huh. And suddenly everybody would lean in. And the the idea of we are we are so good at knowing the stock market and managing your money. The slogan was when E.F. Hutton talks, people, people listen. listen. That's right. That was the slogan. Yep. I will post the commercial on the website. Wonderful. Yeah. So the idea is if you are a rich person, you've been listening to E.F. Hutton. So if you become poor, you need to stop listening because clearly E.F. Hutton has steered you wrong. Mm. Not the best joke. Yeah. Oh, well, they can't all be winners. So uh, among the things they talk about their budget is it looks like they have fourteen ninety five or just under $15. And somebody mentions, Tootie or Natalie says, oh, she mentioned that she wants one of those Hawaiian shirts. And I think I saw a sale... In the newspaper that Harrison's is having a sale on them. They're half price. They're only fourteen ninety five, So they've got about 15 bucks to spend. Mm-hmm. And uh, cool. That's what we're going to do. And it's pretty much ready to go. And then we move on to the next scene. And she mentioned Susan B. Anthony dollars, which I thought was kind oh! of fun. Oh, my God. I wrote that down. How did I miss that? Um, oh, because... They're pulling their money. She's yeah, like, I have a couple Susan B. Anthony dollars. I'm going to get rid of those. Yeah, I hate them. They made her look like, <laughs> like Charles Bronson. Bronson. Like, like, no, I want to look at one. Like, wow. really? <laughs> they were very much in the... It's so funny how they tried... They have been trying for a couple of generations now to create a dollar coin. And the Susan B. Anthony one didn't work. I think 
the the complaint about the Susan B. Anthony dollar was that it was just slightly smaller than a quarter, right? Yeah, but similar. And or, or the second, no, the Sacagawea is a little. I think Susan B. Anthony was a little bit bigger, maybe a little bigger than a quarter, but still silver. Yeah, it was still silver and round. Yes. It was like you know, in other countries, they have coins that are hexagonal, octagonal, right. or two tone even, or or two tone. Yeah, yeah. But the idea is that when you reach in your pocket. You can tell that's a dime. Even pennies and dimes. Dimes have the ridges. Yes. Pennies have a smooth edge. Right. So the fact that they did not really work hard to differentiate the Susan B. Anthony dollar from the quarter. And, um, but the thing was, you know, well, now you can put them in vending machines. Because in, in 1981, vending machines couldn't take paper Bills, money. Right. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a thing. That hadn't been invented yet. Right. So it was a, a, an attempt to make it so that you could use vending machines and pay phones and all that stuff, but mm -hmm. it just didn't take. People didn't no. like it. And and similarly, the Sacagawea didn't do much better. No. It was And it was smaller than the quarter, and it was smooth on the edges. Mm -hmm. It was like a thickness of a nickel. And wasn't it sort of copper-colored, too? It was gold, yeah. Gold-colored? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was so, a different color. Yeah, they tried with the Sacagawea dollar. Yeah, and that was a better still, attempt. But I, until they get rid of the actual bill, yeah, no one's gonna yeah take on exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's so, like um, interesting. I haven't seen a Susan B. Anthony dollar in a long time. But you don't see that much. Like, yeah. Now and do we now do we see, see money at all? Do we right. see you currency? Just don't see much of that is a thing of the past. Yeah. Now Natalie's thing about Susan B. Anthony looking like Charles Bronson on the dollar. I'm like I don't think so yeah it's, I, I, i'm not gonna say how, how shall i say i believe susan b anthony was a handsome, handsome. woman mm. <laughs> <laughs> i'm you yeah. know and you know with that i i think that the image of her you didn't look at that you didn't look at the coin and say wow what a dish <laughs> not that that's what you wanted to do. No, not that that's, that's not the point. Not, of not that. that we judge women on their appearance. No, not we at judge all. it on their accomplishments. Certainly but, not the point. But the fact is, um, I'm not sure Charles Bronson, who was a still a popular action star at that point, he yeah. was just on the sort of tail end. Yeah. as the '80s approached, yeah. I think he was on Death Wish 17 well, or something. <laughs> he was. He was not a classically handsome man. No, he was. No, his face looked like a. 40 year old catchers man yeah and um well broken in yeah <laughs> yeah uh -huh. his his was a face that had lived and yes. been in some fights uh-huh and that's yeah. what but that's it, it was a tough was guy thing it was he didn't have to guy? be no right you know and so there we just judged him on his appearance Braun, too not beauty we are equal opportunity yes we are horrible people <laughs> so we get to harrison's department store and the first person we meet when we walk in is this wonderful character actress. Her name is Hazel Shermit, and she plays the snooty clerk. And both of us were like, who is she? We yeah. know her. You have seen, it's one, she's one of those character actresses you've seen in a million things, and you can't name one of them. Yep. And or her name. Or her name. To save your life, yeah. Yeah. According to uh, IMDB, she is back in season three playing another different part but she has one of those fantastic old school hollywood 1940s voices where the inflection she's like um hello young ladies can i help you please where is the she's like a telephone operator voice yeah. mm -hmm. it's like that uh, to complete your call please deposit another dollar 35 <laughs> it's one of those great 
beautiful character actress voices. And we did, uh, we did actually Google her uh, before we started recording. It turns out she is the voice. She has a million credits. And she is the voice of Henrietta Hippo oh. on the New Zoo Review. Does that take you back? Oh, <laughs> my God. I didn't watch that show. It was a little young for us. Yes. That was, it was like we were like 10, and that was yeah. for five-year-olds. Yes. But when you think of Henrietta Hippo, and that high-pitched, beautiful character voice, you're like, uh-huh. of course that is her. Yep. And yes, love me some of that. I still, I think, was fascinated by the character, the, the look of it and the characters, though. Yeah. Even though we're a little old for it, but... And and she has a lot of voiceover and uh, cartoon. She's got a lot of cartoons as well as character appearances. Mm-hmm. So she is just lovely. And lovely. she plays the beautiful snooty clerk. Yes. And... Uh, they basically say, yeah, we're looking for those blouses, the the Hawaiian shirts that are yeah. $14.95. They're and on sale, yeah. Yeah, the ones we that are on sale. just read about it. And yeah, and she says, I'm sorry, we don't have any more of those. And it's like, well, they were just in the paper yesterday. Oh, well, it was a one-day sale. Well, Hakuma didn't say that in the ad. And she just goes, I don't write the ads. It's just so beautifully snooty so and snooty and not wrong, not wrong, not wrong. It's sort but of bitchy and snooty and all yeah. of the above. Yeah, but you could see how some people would look at her as yeah. a friendly store yeah. clerk. Like yeah, if she's yeah. not condescending, she's yeah. she was perfectly cast. Absolutely. And by the way, fifteen dollars in nineteen eighty one. I did my homework. That is the equivalent of in in two thousand nineteen dollars forty three dollars and sixty seven cents. Mm. Hawaiian shirts. Nowadays, do not cost $43.67. And that's the half price. 15 was that they're yes. actually 30 in the blouse. They end up picking out as a $40 blouse. So that means we're getting into $100, $100. Hawaiian shirt territory. Hmm. The only thing <laughs> I can think of is, remember VCRs when they first came out? They right. were like $600. Right. And that's six hundred. So maybe it was so hard to find a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, yeah, They're, right. A hard commodity to come by. So it's and it's the, gonna cost you. <laughs> they honestly, they back in those days, they probably did come from Hawaii. Well, yeah. yeah. Nowadays, they come from China, and yeah. they're made by sweatshop workers, and they cost yeah. three cents. I mean, yeah. our the whole the entire way our clothing reaches us has mm-hmm. completely transformed, and not for the better. Better price, but not for the better as far as globally spiritually speaking mm-hmm. but that's a whole other uh, yes literally a whole other, other topic podcast. different show yeah um so the girls are a little miffed over the fact that their plan to buy this 15 dollar blouse is now not going to happen and now they can't get this gift for mrs garrett and who knows how many buses they had to take to get to the department store as well because they you know, they don't have a car. They couldn't have ridden on the back of Joe's bike because it was three of them. And do we know how far Eastland is from downtown Peekskill? I, do we I, have any inkling of that? I don't know. No, they're know. five miles from the Chuggalug. The Chuggalug. They're a mile <laughs> Wherever away from that Bates, is. and they're five miles from the Chuggalug. I don't know. The Chuggalug is supposed to be on the edge of the, um, at the highway. Like they mentioned yeah, it's on, being out of right on the highway. Yeah. On the highway or something. Right. I don't know. I've asked uh, my threes of listeners. I keep <laughs> asking you if you are, if you are a peak skillite, please hook me up and educate me. We are dying to know. Yeah. 
We know that we know that they do have a dam. I did look up after the flash flood episode mm-hmm. that they do have a dam, and there were issues that like there there totally has been consistently flooding problems in Peekskill. Uh, not so much a dam breaking, but it was it was truly a thing. But it's a thing that happens there. Yeah, which is yeah. So Peekskill people, where where are my Peekskill peeps? <laughs> um, I if if you will get in contact with me, maybe we'll make a T-shirt that says Peekskill peeps. Because that, that rolls off the tongue. It does. So what happens is Joe says, well, we're going to find a gift anyway. And she finds the blouse and she says, oh, this is it right here. And they're like, okay, Joe, you are, oh, oh, sorry, Mr. Re- Mr. Reference. When the woman is doing the, well, I don't write the ads. And finally, Natalie says, does the name Ralph Nader mean nothing to you? Yes. <laughs> I wrote that down. I'm like, oh my god. Pop gosh. quiz. Pop quiz. Anybody under the age of thirty, do you know who <laughs> Ralph Nader is? Um, he, you might recall him. He was a presidential candidate. Yes. He was a third party candidate for the Green Party. Green Party was it the Green Party. I believe. Um, but so, Ralph yes. Nader in the '60s and '70s was the uh, consumer advocate. Like he was the most famous consumer advocate. Mm-hmm. So where were we? Where so were we, we are trying to decide on a gift now that we know that the sale is. Oh, that's not right. Yeah. Still. On. Oh, that's right. We had our little Ralph. It was Ralph literally Nader. a one-day sale. Yes. Yeah, so Joe finds a, a blouse, and Natalie's like, "Okay, we can't afford the full size, the full price, thirty-dollar blouses. Why do you have a forty-dollar blouse?" And Joe says, "Forget the money. It doesn't have to cost us anything." Hmm. And you hear the audience Grr. very quietly. It's such a slow, slow murmur. Oh, oh, like, yeah. oh, God, no, she's not talking about what I think she's talking about. Mm-hmm. And, um, yep. And basically, Joe says, the, I wish they'd come up with a more clever title, like the five-finger discount. Yeah. <laughs> instead of shoplifting. But that's what Joe proposes. She's like, nope, I'm going to steal this. I'm going into the dressing room, going to put it on. Under my clothes. A um, big store like this will never miss. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and serves them right for serves the shitty right. advertising. And you're right. like, yeah, I almost can kind of side with her as far as the um, her justification of thinking mm-hmm. that this is, I'm in my right, within my rights to do it. Yeah, not really. But yep, Joe's, Joe makes a good argument. So she goes into the dressing room. And while she's out there, funny, hilarious joke. Natalie says, you realize if she gets in trouble, if she gets caught, we're going to get caught too. We are accessories. And what does Tootie say? Not accessories. We were in sportswear. (laughs) Crush. Crush. Crush, Joe. Well done. Brava. Well done. Kim Fields. Um, And so Joe comes out of the dressing room. We have a moment of, oh, thank God. She didn't do it. But her sweatshirt is all zipped up. And we realize the, the blouse is under her clothes. Underneath. And then they even say, there's a tag Tag. showing. And she, like, covers Natalie's mouth, like, shut up. And as she's putting in the tag, a security guard walks up behind him. Hey, you girls. (gasps) Use that other exit. They're tearing up the sidewalk outside. And out they go. Cue clap track. Fade to black. Yes. What is going to happen? The blouse is out the door. And, yep. What a lovely little uh, cliffhanger we got going here. Commercial break. Commercial break. So as you well know, this is where I like to get to know my guest and introduce you to the world at large. First things first is that you are known among all of our circle of friends as Dr. Steve. Yes. Because you are, in fact, a doctor. 
That is true. I am a um, doctorate in chemistry, so I am not a useful type of doctor. No. <laughs> I am not the doctor of the useful kind. Nope, However, couldn't. I do have a doctorate in chemistry. Yes. In chemistry. Couldn't prescribe me Oxycontin I when I wanted you to. No. So can't, can't help you there. That's why I kicked you right. out of the house. If you need to balance an equation, I'm your man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> if you need to check your, your valances, yes. is that it? Mm-hmm. Your, is yep. it CO1 or CO2 Two, or CO3? Which one is it? Yeah. Yep. Speaking of fun things that people have no desire to know anything about. <laughs> That's true. Um, one of the few things you can know about that people have no problem telling you that they hate it. Oh, that's right. You must get that. You get oh. that all the you're, time. You're a doctor of chemistry. I hated chemistry. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's almost always what comes right out. And, and all you can just, just thank you for sharing. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Sorry you didn't have a good experience. Yeah. Clearly, just say, you know. <laughs> I, clearly, I, I didn't. I just say, well, you didn't take chemistry from me. Oh, nice. That would have made all the difference. Uh-huh. Nice. Yep. Very good. Uh, but to give the background of that, the movie Steel Magnolias is correct. When Olympia Dukakis says, all gay men are named Rick, Mark, or Steve. Because in our circle of friends, at one point, this is going back like 20 years or so, back when you were living here, Yeah, um, you were one of at least three, if not four Steves. Mm-hmm. There were several. And when you were introduced to us, it was like, we need to call you Dr. Steve just so we know what fucking Steve we're talking about. Yeah, and that has remained with for you 20 plus years. For yep. years. Yeah. And yeah. That and, is true. And I don't have a problem with that. No, no, it's fine. I, I, I don't mind calling you Dr. Steve. No. The only thing is that when I refer to you, I always have to add, he's not a medical doctor. He's a doctor in chemistry. Yes, right. So don't go asking you me, do. oh, does he take our insurance? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you do always add that, which is I appreciate because it's like I don't get those questions then. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. can you look at this thing on yeah. my cheek? I, got I have a mole. <laughs> <laughs> can you have a look real quick? <laughs> Can't help you with that. No. Exactly. Or or when I say Dr. Steve, they go, oh, he's your psychiatrist, just... obviously. And I'm like, um, n- n- no. You just keep him on retainer. Yeah. <laughs> I should. Oh, dear oh, Lord. He just follows me around. Yes. So as I have often said, I always have an actor or an artist friend uh, appear on the show. The You are a great example of the very rich arts community that we have in central Mm. florida whereby arts is not the way you make your living you are an educator you brought your own notebook like james (laughs) brendlinger did you teachers always come teachers do not get paid enough and teachers come prepared Mm, i have to take notes they they must take notes yeah Yeah. i typically provide it i do think about that but that's so funny that you guys come ahead of time with so that is so funny to me Mm -hmm. um but the thing is that it's not your prime job. It's not your prime source of income. But you are in many ways kind of a, a, a jack of all trades in terms of the artistic side of you. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have acted in plays. Mm-hmm. You sang, we sang for many years uh, with the Orlando Gay Chorus. Right. You played with OGC's brass quintet. Mm-hmm. Right. In that you played trumpet. I do. You played mm-hmm. uh, trumpet as mm-hmm. well. And... Um, you have played with the Central Florida Community Arts Orchestra. You still right. do, right? I do, yes. The CFC Arts. Mm-hmm. And, and um, sing in their choir as well. Sing in their choir as far as the... Because we have such a rich talent pool here 
in Central Florida, there are so many great outlets for people who are not professionals with a capital P, as in making their living off of it. But we have so many great arts groups where people can have an outlet to use that part of them because you're not <laughs> you're not just formulas and blackboards no, and no. Uh, stuff like that you're i i perceive you and my image of you is you're a very artistic person and that you have these outlets to do it and you have always you've always performed you've always been nurturing that side of you mm-hmm. and had a place where you could do that mm-hmm. thanks to the arts community here thanks to the arts community here it's extraordinary really that there's as many mm-hmm. outlets as there are yeah um and you know, to have that outlet for my, you know, instrumental music and choral music um, is great. So I've I've really kept doing that as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, and it's great. And I I that's what I was doing back in when I was in my corporate job. Oh yeah, and that's what slowly built me up towards going pro and making that leap. I, I was... actually had had a performance gap um, from the time that I moved here in '94 to meeting you around '96 six-ish, 97. That sounds right. Um, And then moving in here into this house in 98. Yeah. Um, And between 94 and 2000, I didn't do any performing at all. Really? There was zero of that outlet in my life at all. Um, And I realized I was getting kind of depressed a little. I mean, I I felt the loss Mm -hmm. of that. I, I began to realize that that was the problem. Yeah. And then in 2000, I started... Um, with OGC. Yeah. And that Christmas 2000, Mm -hmm. that concert was my first OGC concert. And the first time I performed, had performed in in about six years. I remember this amazing soloist in that concert named Anastasia. Anastasia. That Christmas. That (gasps) Christmas. I didn't realize you meant that Christmas was your first concert. That was my first OGC concert. I have to post (laughs) the video on YouTube now. On the website. So I was so happy when you wrote me out of the blue and went, David, I am obsessed with your podcast. I didn't even know you were listening. And you mm-hmm. were like, this is a problem. And you were like, I have to be on. And I have like, to be on one. I'm I, like, have to, you, I'm I have like, to come and talk to you about one of these episodes. <laughs> oh, I'm my like, gosh. Bitch, you know where I live. <laughs> you know how to get here. I said, I think if, if you don't, I'm going to come and hang around outside the window. Yes, yes, you did. You were like, you're going to stalk me. Until I was going to stalk could. you. Yeah, that's true. Oh, my dear. Okay. So, well, I'm glad this all worked out. I'm so happy that you're here. This is is so terrific and fun. This will hopefully not be the first and only time uh, that you're here. Uh, So let's come back from commercial. And new thing I've been trying to do more consistently, name a favorite commercial from the era that comes to mind. Any type of a commercial, any product or thing or place or... Oh my gosh! You did my one, which was parquet. Parquet, which, oh, oh butter, parquet, I, those, margarine. Those made me laugh so uh-huh. hard. I love those commercials. I always liked palm olive. <gasps> palm olive, match the manicurist. Match the manicurist. <gasps> I'll, yeah. I'll post one of those. Mm-hmm. And of course, the big thing is you're soaking um, in it. Yeah, dishwashing <laughs> liquid. liquid. No palm olive, <laughs> because I'm a manicurist <laughs> and I'm. <laughs> yeah. We, I have that makes total sense to me. No, no. <laughs> Not yeah. since Rosie the Paper Towel Lady. Yeah, no. Just like waiting for you to spill. Um, so back to the facts of life. We come in on Mrs. Garrett's bedroom, and Blair 
is giving Mrs. Garrett her gift. And Mrs. Garrett's unwrapping it and ooing and aahing and cooing. And it is a Gucci purse. Mm-hmm. And it's quite lovely. And quite it's lovely. And they still make them like that, don't they? They do. Like it that. looks like it could just been purchased yesterday. Okay. I'm not crazy then. Yeah. I don't, I'm not mm-hmm. big into fashion, but no. I thought to myself, that looks like that would totally fly now. Mm-hmm. That's, it's a, it is a standard classic as far as that goes. Um, so the other three show up with their gift and Tootie at one point holds up the bag and says, look at this, Mrs. Garrett. There's G's all over it. It's got your initial on it. And Mrs. Garrett's like, oh, (laughs) no, that belongs to Mr. Gucci. And then she says, Blair, you mean to say that you gave Mrs. Garrett a secondhand present? And Blair is all, right. So Mrs. Garrett opens uh, her present. I have to point out the beautiful, amazing sitcom trope of the gift where the lid of the box is yes. pre-wrapped so you don't have to tear off wrapping paper. Yeah. And and the bow is already on it and affixed. So it's literally, let me unwrap my present. Take, Take off lid. the lid. Oh, what a lovely <laughs> gift. I fucking love that. I remember watching that when I was young and thinking, that's a cool way to wrap a present. And I think I might have even tried to do that. And it's like, oh, that's a pain in the that's ass. A ter- terrible way to... <laughs> it's... Well, I mean, it's not uh, easy know. to do. It's yeah. like, if you need a prop present, if you're a theater company and you or you're, you know, a TV show and you have a prop shed and you need a, a gift thing that you can reuse, it's genius. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, but not how people wrap presents. No, not not yeah. realistic in the least. And gift bags were kind of not invented yet. Gift bags didn't come about till yeah, later. You never saw that. Nobody put anything in a gift no, bag. That uh-uh. was weird. No. Um, so Mrs. Garrett opens up and she's like, oh, she loves it. It's a Hawaiian shirt. And it is really quite a beautiful time capsule cool. of 1980s. Yeah. It was wow. almost sort of a proto 80s print i think yeah because this is 81 yeah it's yeah that that sort of paint smear yeah geometric explosion did kind it read of a, immediately as hawaiian to you i i did look closer at it there were sort of some leaf like palm frondy designs mm. on it i did look at it but it as far as a classic hawaiian shirt no classic hawaiian shirt is a solid color background and you either got flowers or leaves or mm-hmm. palm trees palm or something trees, yeah yeah so it's not really a classic it's i mean it's kind of nicer and more stylish i think so but if someone said i want a hawaiian shirt that's not what i would no. buy them yeah um but hey was to that, each his own. was that somehow code then for just a wild print um maybe a hawaiian shirt i, I don't See, know hmm i don't think so no I feel like more than, I, I feel like less than that. A Hawaiian shirt would be, I feel like the lane would have been narrower as far as. Yeah, maybe so. That, but, anyway, but I found who, that interesting. Yeah. who knew, I mean, I, I don't claim to know anything about fashion, uh, obviously, if you've seen how I dress. <laughs> um, so she puts it on and she loves it. Blair is immediately disparaging of it, saying that it's it's too colorful, it's. It's, you know, crazy. She's not being too aggressive about it, but she's making sure to get in as many comments as she can that she doesn't care for the shirt. Well, Mrs. Garrett mentions that it matches her hair, to which Blair says it matches everybody's hair. (laughs) True. (laughs) So loud. Yep. So 
Blair says, well, you know, Mrs. Garrett, the great thing is you can exchange it for one that you like. And quickly the girls are like, no, 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 you don't want to exchange it. No, because we lost the receipt. Yeah, that's the ticket. And um, so it's like, okay. Well, there fine. was also the why didn't you, why did you wrap it in your own box? Yeah. Too? Why isn't in, isn't in a Harrison's gift box? Yeah. And Joe makes up another lie. Lies beget lies, yeah, Joe. The gift wrap department was all backed up. We just had to run out for time. You know, we yeah. didn't have so, time. So we did this on our own, wrapping the lid of a box. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. was so it wasn't <laughs> even like we bought yeah. it or had a yeah, yeah. gift wrap it. So after the girls leave, Mrs. Garrett puts it on, and Blair makes another comment, and Mrs. Garrett's just like, "Oh no, this shirt is really me," and I'm like. I don't think we've ever seen Mrs. Garrett in all nine years wear any sort of an outlandish print like this. Not a single time. Never. (laughs) No. But she says, it's really me. But it is a bit roomy since I lost all this weight. So Blair says to her, you should exchange it. And she's like, well, what if they don't have it in my size? You know, she's like, well, then great, all the better. Then you can pick out a nice one that you really like. And she's like, I like this one and I don't want to hurt the girl's feelings. And Blair's like, it's never bad manners. It, it wouldn't hurt anyone. It never would hurt someone's feelings to exchange a gift for, for one that you like. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Garrett, in all her wisdom, says, oh, good. You won't mind if I exchange your Gucci purse for one that I like. <laughs> and Blair is quite nonplussed to which <laughs> blair's face falls yeah exactly <laughs> yes which is amazing because lisa welchel is in her 50s and her face still hasn't fallen. It still hasn't fallen no not God. an inch <laughs> damn not she's beautiful inch. i know so then um we go back to the store we're back at harrison's and uh she mrs garrett walks in and says oh hello i want to exchange this blouse and the woman opens up and she has the gift box with her she the woman the clerk miss uh, miss miss hazel mm-hmm. i forget what the clerk's name was she opens up the box she looks at it and immediately she recognizes it i don't know if they just did inventory or something i don't know how she within the last 12 hours 20, 24 hours Barely it was the day before hours yeah yeah it was literally the day before yeah And so she kind of is like, oh, there's a moment of recognition. And then she goes to this man in a suit standing next to the counter and signals him and points over at Mrs. Garrett. Like, Mm. yeah, that's the one. Mm -hmm. That's the shirt. That's the shirt we came up missing last night. Yeah, that's when we inventoried the whole store overnight. (laughs) Overnight. That's the one ugly print shirt (laughs) that we didn't find. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't make sense. But the man in the suit walks over to Mrs. Garrett and starts... Wait, uh, and he's like, well, hello. And she's like, oh, hello. And uh, he's like, so doing some shopping. So he's just making small talk with her. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And um, uh, he somehow uh, among the small talk, he says, yeah, yeah. Tough economy with affording things nowadays, you know, because the economy was in the shitter yeah. right around 1981. It is a tough economy. And she says, oh, yes, absolutely. She says, but... When I see something, I just have to grab it. (laughs) And so then the man keeps talking to her. He's an older actor, too. He's like, he's got to be well into his 60s. I would think, yeah. He's he's not like an older actor. He's an old actor. Yeah, yeah. But he is, um, we'll pause here for, he is the magnificent character actor Dick Mm O'Neill. You have seen him in 100,000 things. 
And just like Hazel Shermit, you cannot name one fucking not one of one. them. Not, not a single one, but you know space. He's yeah. got a huge list of credits on IMDb. And I'm like, and it's all one episode here, two episodes yeah. there. And he does come back in season six of The Facts of Life also. Uh, it does say, I don't remember the episode, but it does say he does have another appearance in another role. Um, so what happens is he continues to make small talk while Mrs. Garrett is looking through the blouses. And there's a couple different innuendos there about implying that she might be the kind of person who would just pick something up. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she, you know, she keeps kind of leading him down this path like, yeah, you know, I, and, might be, um, I might have sticky fingers. And, the, and, and honestly, for all the times Charlotte Ray's delivery style has been questioned of is she flirting is she flirting with mr bradley is she flirting with seeing her actually flirting is a joy yeah god this is a joy and so she says are you trying to pick me up yeah she says are you trying to pick me up that is that your charlotte that's kind of getting close yeah that's getting close yeah (laughs) and he says well actually i'm store security and she says oh and then blatantly says oh do you have trouble a lot with shoplifters And he says, yes, in fact, we do. And he says, I've actually been watching you. And she says, oh, have you been enjoying it? (laughs) And so funny. And then um, at one point, there's a, well, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Heart. Yeah. (laughs) And then finally, she introduces herself and he says, I am, uh, you're under arrest for shoplifting. And he takes her away. Now, Here's the weird thing. Store security cannot arrest you. I I do not have a history with shoplifting, thank goodness. Um, but from what I have heard and been told, the idea is store security pulls you aside and then they have to decide whether or not to call the cops. Right. And then you're in the big trouble. Right. Whether they want to prosecute and all that. So it was weird that they went for they went full force to you are under arrest. And she never, through the end of the episode, she never really talks about what her quote unquote being arrested, being arrested entailed, where she went, what she had to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the punishment was lifted. But anyway, the scene ends. And as he's taking her away in her stunned, vacant look to the audience, she has a blouse in her hand and she pulls it off the hanger and it drags with that's how taken aback she is and it's like <laughs> we we could have done without that that was yeah. a little over the top well we do know that they have a police officer on premises perhaps but no, he was a security guard though was the guy he? that the guy that at the beginning told the first them, oh was he just a, okay. i feel like he was just he wasn't a, he okay he wasn't a police he was in a uniform he was a uniform security yes, guard right, and right. this guy this guy yeah. clearly is the Close plain. to retirement supervisor. Yeah, plain, <laughs> plain clothes. Plain clothes. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to retire. Product in, control. I'm yeah. going to retire in negative 10 years when I'm 65. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then we cut back to the uh, the girl's bedroom, and it jumps right in. Joe, you no good creep. Why would you tell her to take it back? Joe is laying in the Blair. And Blair's mm-hmm. like, what? I'm telling you, it was in fitter. What the fuck, dude? Get off my ass. And um, so there's an exchange, and it's not yet divulged why Joe is so angry. But Mrs. Garrett comes in, and uh, Mrs. Garrett starts playing coy and laying on the so guilt. So coy, yeah. So she's like, I just wanted to thank you again 
for my wonderful present. It was so thoughtful, so generous of you. And finally, you know, Tootie and Natalie crack. They, you knew they were not going to. Yeah. They start to, they fess up. They say, we didn't pay for it. We, you know, we 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 stole it. And, and Blair <laughs> responds. Did you catch Blair's response? Oh, good. At least you didn't, you didn't pay for that awful blouse. You didn't pay good money for it. Yes, yeah. yes. Pay good money for it. <laughs> you didn't pay good money for that. <laughs> Funny. Funny Lisa laugh. Great laugh. Yep. And um, so, but the fact is, and continuing with the, the idea that the TV show has a through line, Mrs. Garrett says, what were you thinking? You are all on probation already. So it's like, what the fuck, girls? Right. Come on. And that's good. It's like, good. Thank you for reminding Remind us of that us, and yeah. why we're here and how we mm-hmm. got here. And how actually reckless it was to to even think that you would do that. Yeah, precisely. Given, given the situation you're in. Come on, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> but, and Joe had been, we had been, so, we had softened. Joe had been softening. Yeah, it was yeah. it was kind of an interesting Joe reverting back to her older self. Right. But but course correcting right. here. Right. right. Um, so with that, Joe kind of explains herself and what it comes down to is I didn't want to get you a terrible gift and look at Blair smirking at us. So Joe fesses up completely that it's because I didn't want to be cut down by Blair. I wanted to show you that we could get you as nice a gift as Blair. And um, Mrs. G goes into mother mode. God, she's so fabulous. And she's like, Joe, this isn't a contest. And she says, go into my room and look around. And Matthew Arter would add, yeah, it's really fucking ugly. (laughs) Clearly, she doesn't need anything. She doesn't doesn't collect nice things. (laughs) (laughs) But she says, if you want, you could just give me a flower or a seashell or write a nice note. And um, uh, Joe unleashing her her superpowers nancy mckeon bringing Mm. out the the poignant end of it of her saying well you do a lot for us and you know she says and uh, earnestly she says cracking the whip telling us to quit you know slacking off like it's all funny poking your nose in our business yeah yeah (laughs) poking your nose in our business it's all funny you do a lot of stuff for us and i just wanted a way to say thanks and mrs garrett says next time send a hallmark Reference to Nancy McKeon's Hallmark commercial that yes. got her the job. Nice I wrote, little. I underlined Hallmark right there. <laughs> well played, writers. Yep. Well played. Yep. And um, and Joe takes it one further and says, "Well, you know, since I've been here this time, we were kind of getting not so far apart, you know." And Mrs. Garrett says, "You mean closer?" It's like, yeah, that's what she means. Yeah. And then Mrs. Garrett says, Joe, a friendship is about the day-to-day giving, not about lavish presents, etc., that sort of thing. And someone says, one of them says, that's really beautiful. I think Tootie or one of them says, that's really Mm -hmm. pretty. And she says, oh, well, glad you like it. It was on the card my son sent me, (laughs) which is cute, too, about Hallmark. I wonder if they were a sponsor. Um, Mm. But Mrs. Garrett says, and she says, I feel bad that now you're not going to have a nice present. We wanted to do something. Now, you you know, you have a nice present. She says, oh, I'm, I I got that shirt. And you're like, what? And she says, yes, I put it on layaway. And Joe says, 
You mean you're going to pay it off? And Mrs. Garrett says, No, no, you all will. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll be working at Harrison's every weekend. Yeah, because when you shoplift from a store, they want to hire you as an employee. Yes, they want. You're going to be working. Definitely want you to come back. Every Saturday and Sunday from 12 to 5 Mm -hmm. is what she says. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're not going to be that busy. I mean, you're not going to, you know, it's not like you have anything else going on because you're all grounded for a month. Mm Mm-hmm. And well, then, how, how am I going to find the time? I've got everything else I need to do. All my chores here yeah. at the school, to which. <laughs> yeah. Actually, and Tootie and Natalie, the ones yeah. that say, well, wait a minute. Who's going to do all of Joe's yes. chores when yep. she's off working at the store? And Mrs. Garrett <laughs> says, that's where you come in. And perfectly, she says, your names were on the gift. You were a part of this scheme. Mm-hmm. So that's what that price you have to pay. Yep. And Tootie, do you remember what she says? I didn't. Mm. Tootie looks and she says, that's a cold Cold, shot. That's a cold shot. Yeah. That's a cold Cold shot. shot. It's like, not really, girl. Not at all. No. Nope. You had it coming. Yeah. So they ended up with Mrs. Garrett. It's terrible. I guess she didn't. I guess it turned out to be a pretty bad birthday with us doing all this stuff. And Mrs. Garrett says, "Um, well, maybe it wasn't such a bad birthday after all. And uh, again, even though she doesn't, talk about what being arrested was in quotations the way she puts it is after the store detective gave me the third degree i gave him the third degree and we have a date tonight (laughs) and it's like okay you would have hoped they might have cast someone a little more charming or Less looking like he could be her father. father yeah. Yeah. Comparable. Yeah. It's like she, she, she was married to Robert Alda. Come on. Mm. She's got, you know, he's, he was a catch. Mm-hmm. Robert Alda, even mm-hmm. in his older years, dashing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, putting aside our own judgment, judgment of the elderly. Well, yes. And um, yeah, so that's it. And you kind of wish they ended the episode there. But they had to add another joke that didn't quite register as well. Would have been fun for her to say, I have a date tonight. Oh, <laughs> freeze. Clap track. But then they had to add her saying, it's too bad I won't be wearing my blouse tonight. And the girls, not really salaciously, but not really not implying, what do you mean you're not going to be wearing your blouse tonight? <laughs> And her with, oh, you not the web, the blah, 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 blah. And then as Mrs. Garrett sort of blubberingly, babblingly explains what she means, which we know what she means, that's when the clap track comes up and the episode ends. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh. I don't know. Maybe in reruns they might have fixed that. I have to ask Paul. Paul knows all the reruns. Hmm. But it's, um, Yeah. So let's let's kind of recap and cover all of this. The the flaws in this episode are they didn't have to say that she was arrested. If he had taken her back and said, "We are going to have you arrested for shoplifting." Right. We're going to have you arrested. Right, right. Then later her thing of after I think she says after he gave me the third degree and figured out I was innocent. I think that's the way she says the yeah, line. So yeah. there is some implication to it was just him talking to her yeah. and realizing it wasn't her. Right. Um, then that would have cleared up that thing. And the other deal is, um, yeah, the implausibility that the store not prosecuting Joe for being the actual shoplifter. Yeah. 
that the punishment is you have to work here. I mean, it's like you stole from us. Why would we trust you to work here? Right. That's Other weird. Other than just taking this lady's word that these are really good girls. Yeah. You know. And her vouching They're for them. They're good girls. <laughs> There's your trust Charlotte. Trust me. <laughs> There's your Charlotte. Trust right? me. Yeah. Girls. Girls. They're good girls. Bye, no. yes. girls. So it's like, yeah. Um, that's where I think the only place it kind of goes wrong. It's like, uh, on the one hand, they, they, they do... Pl- they do create that nice moment of Joe talking about we're getting closer. Mm-hmm. They they get that. But the fact of the matter is it's like, girl, you still committed a crime, like a crime crime. You kind of wish there had been more repercussions. Or even, by the way, you're going to be coming down to the store with me right now so you can apologize. Yeah. Or something like that. There's no comeuppance at all with the people at the store. Yeah. And you wish that there were, but you know that you know worst case scenario they, they could totally fucking prosecute uh-huh. and yeah, she's yeah. already on probation right so it would have it would have gone down pretty bad yeah i yeah. don't know what the answer is all i know is that what they did i didn't like so yeah writers get in your time machine and fix it to my liking <laughs> yes thank you very much all in all though really good i, I agree when it just shows what um the addition of joe to the cast just is adding <sighs> to the what they can pull from they, to have these situations come up. Yeah. You know? they, it's like they can pull out the big guns because they have big guns now. They yeah. didn't before yeah. Nancy McKeon. For, for all the you know praise that we heap on Lisa Welchel for her work in season one, it's like mm-hmm. Nancy McKeon hits the ground running and fuck, they use her to good effect. You just see how she elevated the mm-hmm. entire group just was elevated by her presence just as oh. amazing to me to watch it i i couldn't agree more she yeah. is she is amazing yeah so thank you for doing the show i'm so glad thank you for you having me i'm so very very glad to be here yes welcome mm-hmm. back to your old home hope you uh-huh. like what i've done Feels with the place very comfortable yes <laughs> <laughs> and uh we will have you back absolutely soon please continue to obsess over the podcast, knowing that you are doing that makes me very happy. Don't you worry. (laughs) I look forward to every week. Sweet. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. That was Dr. Steve Summers. He is a dear friend. He's a great guy. He was an awesome roommate, artist, scientist, and I will add a very good cook. So the things I mentioned earlier that I had to make little post-mortem corrections on. First of all, we talk about the dollar coins. I don't know where I got it in my head that the Sacagawea dollar was smaller than the quarter. It is not. They deliberately made it the same size as the Susan B. Anthony dollar coin so that the two would not be mixed up or so that the two would serve the same function and weight size when you put it into a vending machine. Um, The difference was the the mistakes made with the Susan B. Anthony dollar were that it was silver, even though it had a, I think, octagonal design on the front of it, it was still an actual round piece of metal, and it did have ridges in it like a quarter. So it was still too easy to mistake for a quarter. The Sacagawea dollar was trying to correct that by making it gold and by giving it a smooth edge like a nickel, but it just didn't catch on. But they are absolutely the same size and weight. And I don't know where I got that they were not. And both of them are just slightly larger than a quarter. Not to be confused with the Eisenhower dollar coin from, I think, the 60s and 70s, which was much bigger, much heavier. It's like a friggin' coaster. It's ridiculous. 
Anywho, that was correction number one. Correction number two is character actor Dick O'Neill. Oh my God. We give him such shit for looking old and for not being attractive. We are just, we'd lay into him. And I just, for the heck of it, did some searching. Dick O'Neill, the man who plays the detective in the store that's flirting with Mrs. Garrett, he is two years younger than Charlotte Ray. Yeah, I, I know. You're, you're, you're having the same reaction I am. You're like, what? Charlotte Ray was 54 and looks 54. I mean, she, you know, she looks her age, I think. And she was born on May 22nd of 1926. Character actor Dick O'Neill was born on August 29th, 1928. He is two years, three months, and seven days younger than Charlotte Ray. He is 52 years old. He is two years older than I and Dr. Steve are. I'm like, what is happening? That man must have lived a really good life, I'm telling you. Anyway, corrections aside, this has been so much fun. I'm really happy you listened. Let me go through my spiel like I do every week. Let's Face the Facts was produced, edited, narrated, hosted, and three-hole-punched by me, David Almeida. Our website is facethefactspod.com. Remember to drop the let's. That's where you can email me, connect to the show on social media, subscribe on your favorite podcatchers, watch videos of the episodes we discuss, and listen to extra content from the digital cutting room floor. A couple of you out there have messaged me and uh, told me you've been enjoying the show and some others regularly comment on, on the Facebook posts, and I, I so appreciate it. I love to know that you're listening, so please keep it coming. I love your feedback. And as always, share, rate, subscribe, review on iTunes. That really helps me out, I think. And then lastly, tune in next week for Season 2, Episode 7, Teenage Marriage, Part 1 with returning guest Paul Padilla. He is back, and this time he's doing a doubleheader with me. A two-parter, yes. It's gonna be fun. I can't wait. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show, and remember, the facts of life are all about you. (laughs) 